Have you ever thought about the legacy that you're leaving? It's something that's been on my mind for quite some time. You don't have to have a big fortune to leave a legacy, but you do have to take a deep dive into the values that are near and dear to your heart. And that's what we're doing today. Hey there, and welcome. I'm your host, Regina Topolson, registered dietitian, plant-based foodie, amateur athlete, mom of teenage boys and one lucky girl, cancer survivor, and host of the Life Well Lived podcast. Living through cancer seemed like the hard part until I had to learn how to live after. We all want to feel healthy and safe and know that our life has meaning and purpose If you're a patient, survivor, or caretaker, this is the place to find hope and inspiration through life's great disruptor and learn to live more fully today. Hey there. Well, if you've been listening to my podcast for any length of time, you know that my usual process is to interview someone. And today is one of those few podcasts that I have done without interviewing someone. So I'll tell you what's been on my mind lately, and that is the legacy that we leave, right? I've been thinking about this a lot and it's been on my mind and it's been weighing heavily on me and I see it, you know, everywhere that I look, I I see the legacy that other people leave. And it's interesting because when I was reading Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, she had a very interesting quote that caught my eye and that was that the legacy we leave is the life that we live. So let me espouse on that a little bit. I think if we, if I really extrapolate and think on that, I, what it means to me is that the legacy that I'm leaving to my loved ones, to the people who know me well, to my friends, to my family, is the life that I'm living by example. So legacy doesn't always, in my opinion, have to mean that you're leaving a a huge fortune. You know, most of us are not fortunate enough to leave a huge fortune behind. And so I, I don't think it's about naming buildings after yourself or naming programs after yourself. I think it's a matter of what are your values and what are you leaving for other people to see as how you lived your life and what was important to you? And I think that that is a very worthwhile topic to think about. So I hope that you stay with me through this thought process. And of course, I would love to know your thoughts as well. So please drop me a line Let me know what you thought of this podcast after you're done listening to it. And let's be in conversation because I would really love that.
So one of the things that's really important to me and is a huge value to me is eating clean food. I love the idea of having a garden, a beautiful garden. Like, do you remember the garden from the movie It's Complicated? It was with Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin, and it was big and it was spacious, and she had all the fruits and vegetables growing there, and it was so big that she even had people tending to it in the movie. Like, that's the kind of garden I would like to have. I think part of that stems from, well, the, the clean eating definitely stems from, you know, being a dietitian, everything that I've gone through in my life, right? How important it is to eat clean food that's free of pesticides and hormones. So at the very least, I do know where that desire stems from. But the gardening part, you know, I'm, I'm not a great gardener. I kill most of the plants that I buy or that are given to me. It's very unfortunate, but it's true. And I wouldn't really say that I have a green thumb, you know, but I really love the idea of growing my own plants, growing my own garden, growing my own food. I think that there is something really independent about that. Like I'm taking back my health, you know, I'm taking back my rights to clean food. And even though I really, really love that idea, I don't really love the gardening part. (laughs) I mean, it's dirty. It's time consuming. It's hard work. It's labor. It truly is a labor of love. And you reap great benefits just from digging in the dirt. You know, you get your probiotics that way. But it's not fun necessarily if your plants die or if you don't get a great harvest from them or if you've planted something that you don't know what to do with and then you're just given it away or it's all those things. And so even though I love the idea of having a garden, I don't always love the actual work that goes into it. And I think most of us can relate to that. We love the idea of doing something, but we don't actually love the work that goes into it. And that's okay. You just have to be really clear about what your values are. And, you know, maybe you don't want it that badly. As my son said, you know, there's other things to eat. So, okay. (laughs) Someone else can grow it and I can buy the organic food that they've grown. And I think that's a very symbiotic, wonderful type of relationship to have, especially if you know the farmer who's growing it or the neighbor who's growing your food. Back to the legacy that we're leaving, right? I think it stems from the values that we have and that we live by while we're alive. Several years ago, I learned about something called an ethical will. If you've never heard of it, it's basically a written document where you are formally espousing the ethical and spiritual values, your guiding principles, memories, and wishes for your family and your family members. 
And it's a little bit different than a legacy letter in the sense that you could leave a legacy letter to your neighbor or a community or an organization or really a friend or anyone that you wanted to leave a legacy letter to. But the ethical will, going back to that, I didn't know that that's what it was. I didn't know that it even existed and I didn't know what it was called. But almost nine years ago, when my paternal grandmother was turning 100, she was very, very close to her 100th birthday. And she was in the hospital where I was working as a dietitian. She was there because she had fallen in her apartment. And I decided to have lunch with her one day while she was there. It was only a couple days. And this particular day that I had lunch with her, I decided to ask her, you know, Grandma, you're going to be 100 soon. So are there any lessons in life that you've learned or anything that you'd like to impart to me, any kind of wisdom that you think would help me live the rest of my life? And granted, I was in my 30s at the time. And my grandmother looked at me and with humility, she was, you know, she had asked me back, me? wisdom that I have learned. And I I get it, you know, kind of putting someone on the spot and asking them in the moment, like, hey, do you have any words of wisdom for me, right? Like, I could see how she wouldn't necessarily know on the spot how to answer that question. But she did. She came up with a big answer for me, which luckily I recorded. And I have shared with family members. And It turns out that that was her ethical will. Those were her guiding principles of how she lived her own life and the things that she believed were important and the things that would benefit my life. And so for this, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful that I had that beautiful moment with her when she was still lucid and really understood what she was saying to me. And I'm, I cherish that. I cherish that recording. So ethical wills could be anything, anything that you want to espouse to someone that you love. I think one of the other things that was really important to me through that process was her humility, She didn't come off like a know-it-all, a sage, you know. She was a lot older than me. She could have come off that way, but she didn't. And I think the humility with which she answered that question also taught me something, even though it wasn't directly spoken. But it really did teach me to also be that way in my life. Don't come off as a sage and a know-it-all. Have compassion and humility for the people that you are speaking to. And I love that. I love that lesson. I thank her for that. So another one of my values is to not be judgmental. But I got to tell you, I struggle. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that one. I just went to a funeral service of a friend that I've had for about five years. 
a woman who's much older than I, probably about the ages of my grandmothers. And she was a fellow Kabbalah student, lifelong learner. So someone came to her funeral service, and I was sitting in the back. And I turned around to see who had come in. And I see this woman with hot pink yoga pants. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. And I thought to myself, wow, I would never show up to a funeral service in hot pink yoga pants. And I caught myself right then and there. I was like, wow, that's not non-judgmental at all. And I, I caught myself. I realized right away, you know, this woman would not have been upset at all all about the hot pink yoga pants she would have just been happy that her friend came to pay respects and I I course corrected in the moment I gave myself grace to say wow that was probably not the best thought that I could have had at the moment it wasn't particularly unkind but it was it was judgmental for sure and I said you know I'm I'm just gonna let it go. I'm going to let it be because it has nothing to do with me. And, you know, the important thing is really that this woman came to pay her regards, to pay her respects to her friend. And it doesn't matter what she was wearing. It doesn't matter if it was a hot pink yoga pants or a bright red sundress or, you know, anything. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I personally, I think probably some things are inappropriate for a funeral service, but she wasn't a close member of the family. She was a community member who sat in the back. And so I let my judgmentalness go. And I will be more attentive to it the next time it, it tries to creep up. So that was a good learning lesson for me too. Another one of my values is health and I will do, you know, whatever it takes to stay healthy. I will eat broccoli instead of cookies. I, I will exercise to stay fit and I prioritize my sleep though. That doesn't always go well either, but I at least try to make a very, very concerted effort to get the best sleep that I can. But as I mentioned before, like, it, it's okay to say, I'm going to treat myself sometimes. And it's okay to say, you know what, I don't have to grow all my own food. It's just okay. It's okay to do that. It's okay to say, I'm going to eat as healthy as possible. I'm going to eat organic when it makes sense. And if you are curious as, uh, as to, you know, should you buy everything organic or should you just buy some things organic, I will have a link in my show notes to the Environmental Working Group's Dirty Dozen list of produce that you should definitely buy organic because of all of the pesticides and herbicides and fungicides that are sprayed on it. And then their list of clean 15, the cleanest 15 foods that you can buy conventionally and not have a worry at all. And everything in between is sort of up to you. Do you want to buy everything organic? Do you have the funds to buy everything organic? Or 
do you want to just buy the dirty dozen organic and everything else can be conventionally grown? So another value of mine in particular is learning and self-improvement. And I like to think of those two things together because I feel like they go hand in hand. I think that, you know, once we know better, we do better. And I happen to be a lifelong learner. And I, I feel like we're always a work in progress. I think some people grow slower than others. But I think that we do all grow over our lifetimes. Nobody stays stagnant. Nobody ever stays the same. They can, in principle, stay, you know, true to their values. But, you know, a lot of us figure out what is that along the way. And I think that that's okay. And I think that it changes sometimes from decade to decade even. So, yeah, I think that learning and learning from others. My maternal grandmother, she was a great storyteller. She would always tell me stories about our family and about how what it was like when she was growing up. And she didn't tell tall tales. She didn't tell any lies. But she always had a way of telling the story in such a way that it was so captivating and so memorable I just really appreciate that. And I I remember I loved listening to her talk about family stories. And I, I miss that. I really miss that. I don't remember everything that she told me. So, you know, if you have people in your life that can tell you stories about your family, whether it's your parents or aunts and uncles, make a record of it, record it, have them write it down whatever it is, because those records are lost and they're lost forever when, when those people either can't think clearly anymore, they can't remember, or they pass. And, and then that's, you know, your story, your family story that's lost as well. So I truly, I truly miss that. And I, wish I had done more recordings of that when my grandmother was alive and when she was telling me all those wonderful stories about our family because they were rich. You know, she grew up during World War II. She was evacuated from our hometown and those stories were incredible. And finally, gratitude. Gratitude is a big one on my list. I think I really had a change and a shift in perspective after my diagnosis. I think it's very, very easy to take things that we have in our lives and take them for granted. I don't think it's done on purpose. I think we just don't think about it in such a way that we should be grateful for it for every minute. So Like for one thing, I wake up in the morning and I say a a prayer of gratitude just for having woken up. And sometimes I'll say 
just a thought of gratitude or just a little something just to say, oh, I'm grateful because I'm seeing the sun today or I'm grateful for the blue sky or I'm grateful for whatever it is that I'm grateful for in that moment. And, you know, we do this sometimes seasonally, right? With certain holidays and different times of the year, you know, so we, we might have that like, oh, thank God the kids are going back to school, right? In, in August or September, or, oh, thank goodness we're out for the summer, right? Thank goodness school is done for the summer and we can have our summer to ourselves and really enjoy doing whatever it is that we want and owning our time or, you know, whatever it is. So there's times throughout the year where we are truly grateful for, you know, this or that one thing or another. But I think to have a regular gratitude practice, that's really something I even have a gratitude jar, where I write things that I'm grateful for on a piece of paper. And I always try to remember to put the date on there. Because when the jar fills up, and I empty it, it's fun to read back through it. And see what I was grateful for at you know, a certain day or, you know, a time in my life. And I think back to like those dates and I think, well, what was happening at that time, you know? And I love that. I really love like revisiting things that I'm grateful for. I'll tell you one thing I'm really sad that I stopped doing. So when I was first diagnosed, I thought, you know, gratitude is going to be one of those things that's going to get me through this. And I really thought that by having a gratitude practice daily, that that would, I don't know, somehow solidify, right, that I was going to make it through. And so what I started doing was a gratitude practice. I would find at least one thing every day that I was grateful for. And I don't know why, but I put it out on Facebook. And as I started doing this, I started adding the hashtag 1825 days of gratitude. And it really should have been 1826 because there's always a leap year. But I don't think I was thinking about that at the time. And the 1825 is five years. And to a, to a cancer patient, five years is magical. It's everything. To get to that five-year mark, it's amazing. And I was really having a great time with it. But a family member said to me, you should stop doing that. You should just forget this happened and move on. And I thought maybe they were right. Maybe I should just forget about this and move on. And fortunately or unfortunately, there's just no forgetting It's not like men in black where you can just wave a little something and flash a light and, you know, you've forgotten. (laughs) Amnesia doesn't work that way. But I did stop doing the 1825 days of gratitude and I kind of regret it because it, it was fun and it was good and it took my mind off of other things that were happening sometimes not good things that were happening. And it focused my efforts and energy on the good that was happening, on the good that was right in front of me. And I think if I had a choice, I would probably go back and start doing that again, and maybe I will. Yeah, that was one thing 
that I could say definitely that turned into a real value of mine that I would be more cognizant, more aware of the good things happening in my life and be grateful for them. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. I'm going to attach a list of values in the show notes, and I hope that you will just take a look at those and maybe pick, you know, five to 10, not more than that. I mean, the whole list is wonderful, right? But out of 200 values, you can't prioritize all of them. So I would say pick five to 10 values that really speak to you that espouse the type of values that you want to live your life by and then do it. If you've stuck with me all the way until this point, I just want to say thank you. And I, like I said in the beginning, I hope that you will send me a note, send me a line, whatever. Just let me know what you're thinking about because I'm curious and I really do want to know. And with that, I sign off, my friend. If you like what you heard, I hope you'll do two things. Number one, share it with your friends so that they can get the benefit of it too. And number two, I hope that you'll rate and review the podcast as that helps other people find good quality information to listen to as well. As always, you can find show notes on my website, And I'm grateful for you, for your presence, for your feedback, and I wish you health and healing and strength and peace. Until next time.